This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, February 8th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. As a federal court weighs the Trump travel ban on a few of the world's majority Muslim countries, what could be the next steps in either case? Alex Narasta, an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute, comments. The administration and the president said that 109 people have been affected directly by this, have been stopped at the airports and turned around. However, according to court documents recently released from um, the government's case on this, we found out that at least 60,000 people had their visas canceled or were uh, turned around due to this order, and at least another 350,000, their trips were interrupted or harassed, or they had to go through additional paperwork or more screening as a result to analyze uh, their paperwork coming into the United States. So a substantially larger number of people than what the president originally stated have been affected by this. All right. So uh, is there any rational reason why this disparity in calculation would exist? The only reason I can think of that uh, for the president and for the administration's benefit is that they were counting only the number of people who were, one, intercepted on the U.S. side in the course of one day, who left their foreign ports before arriving at the U.S. with travel documents from those places that were turned back. So it's the absolute, I I believe, minimum definition of the number of people who are affected, not all the other people who had their visas canceled. How are these people, what kind of respite can these people expect? So there is a temporary restraining order on enforcing the president's executive order right now. So a lot of these folks who had their visas uh, from before will be able to come back uh, very rapidly to the United States. The government is um, honoring those who are already issued prior to the travel ban, especially for those who are green card holders, you know, they're all allowed to come back. Um, so now it's a respite, respite for these people to uh, come back into the United States. The real question is what will happen if this order is actually put back in place and enforced. Um, that's when we'll start to see the real cutoff and the issuance of future visas, and that's when this will really start to bite. Now, a lot of this, um, there are multiple processes to get into the United States, and and at least in the refugee case, there are almost two dozen steps you have to go through, and most of them will not make it to step two, right? But so it's the funnel that begins this process that has been cut off, and presumably people in the process have also been cut off. But to restart that process, we're talking about years before you see something at the other end of refugees being approved and accepted. That's true. And that especially affects the Syrians more than uh, anybody else. And it will affect the entire program as it's it's being being suspended right now, temporarily. And then it will be uh, restarted, except with a much lower quota than it was at before, at 50,000 instead of 110. What we saw after 9-11 when the president George W. Bush canceled the refugee program temporarily, was it took um, basically the rest of his administration to get up to the pre-9-11 numbers again uh, that were annually admitted. It took that long to get the entire system back up to where it was because it's, like you said, there were dozens of moving pieces involving the United Nations and the United States government doing these security checks, as well as finding the people in these refugee camps 
uh, who are able and meet the criteria to come to the United States. So if every, and not to mention the dozens of NGOs involved at every step of the way. So to get all of those ducks lined up administratively, to stop it all of a sudden without any kind of warning, and then to need to restart that later on is just a huge administrative mess. So it's not just that the numbers are going to be cut from 110,000 to 50,000 refugees a year. It's that even when they get up, when they start accepting those 50,000 again, it's going to take years to actually get back up there. So if we're getting to step one in the process of determining uh, whether or not you are a bona fide uh, refugee, in a sense, that's the first of many such uh, checks. Uh, where are these people? So these people are not in the conflict zones anymore. Uh, almost all of them are outside of these zones. They are in refugee camps. They're living in another country, and they are registered with the United Nations as a refugee. So they're not being shot at every day anymore. That had happened to them probably prior to this, but that doesn't, isn't happening to them currently. Um, they are in a relatively more safe situation, likely receiving humanitarian aid or working with the benefit of a work permit in another country. Two judges have made rulings about this. Uh, a judge in Seattle put a stay on the ban uh, nationwide. So what does that mean in terms as a legislative matter going forward? So what this uh, stay means and what they use in that argument, by the way, one of the arguments used was that produced by my colleague here, David Beer, who argues that a per-country ban is illegal under the Immigration Act of 1965, as it's written, arguing that it is not in the power of the president, it is explicitly forbidden to restrict immigration uh, from any one country merely because somebody happens to be uh, from that country. So that was one of the arguments used in this case. And what this stay means going forward is that the government's going to be filing an appeal. And then the People who pr brought the case in the first place are going to have to answer that uh, going forward. And this could get fast-tracked up through the Ninth Circuit and then perhaps even the Supreme Court. Uh, Rudy Giuliani has famously uh, made note that uh, now President Trump had asked him at one point, how do we do a Muslim ban legally? And of course, you can't discriminate based on uh, nationality with respect to a lot of, a lot of people coming into the United States. But uh, what should we expect if this stay is thrown out and this program is allowed to resume? What's interesting about the uh, Immigration Naturalization Act is it does not prohibit discrimination based on religion. So legally, he would have been on sounder ground to have a blanket religious ban than a current country ban. But that would have been more unpopular in terms of public opinion. So that's probably why he went for this sort of uh, country of origin ban. Uh, but what's going to happen going forward is if these bans are upheld as legal, I think this is just the first step. I think these are the first countries on this list. I think that the time period these countries are banned is going to be extended uh, quite a bit. They're going to find good uh, reasons, good or bad, to do it, whether national security or otherwise, to extend these bans length of time. And then they're going to apply them to more and more countries in the region based on national security grounds or other grounds. As we noted before, of those seven countries that are on the list, they have sent um, terrorists to the U.S. that have killed a total of zero Americans on U.S. soil since 1975. Um, the national security case is very weak for them. Uh, for these bans. But there is a stronger case that can be made for other countries in that region. So I believe that this is the first step. They're testing the waters legally and constitutionally before going forward with other bans. 
Alex Narasta is an immigration policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.